Please, I'd like to take a moment to remind our little ones to head to uh, Children's Church. I saw many already heading out the door, so I know that they are doing that. For the rest of you, I would ask that you remain standing. We are going to read from Luke chapter 2 this morning. And we're going to be reading, starting in verse 1 and reading all the way through verse 20. This is the word of the Lord. And it says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor in Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph, who also, also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and of the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly, suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lie in a manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were being told by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told to them. Please be seated. All of our time together over the last several weeks and, and indeed since the beginning of November until today has brought us really truly to this message today. We are in a season of Advent and you can tell by the candles lit next to me that there's only one candle left to light. And that will be lit on Wednesday at our candlelight service. This is our last time together before the, uh, on a Sunday morning before Christmas Day. And so it seems natural that today we, we shift our, our attention and we really focus in on the Christmas story and the story about the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We often see this story depicted um, all over the place as we maybe drive through Christmas in the park. We see nativity scene after nativity scene in our own homes. Probably a, a great many of us have some sort of a nativity scene displayed. 
Now that nativity scene may be an old heirloom from the family that has been passed on from generation to generation. It may be a new one that you were given on your, on your wedding day or the first Christmas that you spent as a married couple. It may be one made out of toilet paper rolls that your kids put together in a Sunday school class or at a Christmas party who knows how long ago. And when we think about those nativity scenes, we're always reminded of the events that happened on that day. And yet, as we focus our attention, even on the nativity scene that we have up here today, I want you to notice that someone seems to be missing. Now, sure, we have the baby Jesus. We have Mary and Joseph. We have shepherds and the animals that are wondering why there's a kid lying in their, their food. We have three wise men, even though all of us could probably make the argument that they shouldn't have been there yet. Even an angel uh, on occasion, we have an angel hanging, maybe it's up in the sky on yours and a star. We have all the, the pieces that, that we think should be there, yet I would argue that there's one person that is not present in our nativity scenes. And no, I'm not talking about that villainous innkeeper that actually is never mentioned in the Bible, who, who clearly turned away this expecting woman and her husband. No, I want to draw our attention to the one who isn't seen in our nativity scene because he, is, because he can not be seen. And yet, though he can not be seen in our nativity scene, he is undoubtedly the main character of not just our passage that we read today, but the main character of the entire Bible. And every passage that we read from Genesis to Revelation, he is there and he is a part of. In fact, not only is he the main character of the scriptures, but he is the author of the scriptures. I'm sure by now you have figured out that I'm talking about God the Father. See, the good news of the gospel and that which we celebrate today is what God the Father has done for humanity through Christ. God's fingerprints are on every detail of our passage today. Every part, every sentence, everything that we see in our passage today has the, the work and the fingerprints of God all over it. If you will remember, we talked at the beginning of our time together in this season of Advent about going, about being on the move and alert to what God is doing and where God is, is moving and to, to, to be active in, our, in our, our sharing of the good news of the gospel, to be active in, in the furthering of the kingdom of God. We moved on to telling people to actually deliver the gospel message, to proclaim with words and backed up by our actions the good news that we have received. Last week we talked about who the recipients of this good news should be. And not only should we receive the good news of the gospel, but we should take this good news to other people, those alike us and those not like us, to those both near and far. That it is our, our mission, our duty, and indeed scripture says it is our obligation to make known the good news of the gospel, even if that means shouting it from the mountaintop so that all may hear the good news and believe. 
Finally today, we have come to the good news itself of what we are to go and tell from the mountain. The question may be, what is the good news that led angels to sing and shepherds to rejoice and Mary to ponder? And it is this, that God has accomplished his work of salvation through Christ Jesus. See, as we look at the Christmas story, we see Mary and we see Joseph and we see angels and we see shepherds and we see stars in the sky and we see kings on their way. But let us not forget to see God in the midst of all of this, accomplishing his perfect will and making a way for all of us to have a relationship with him. Let me show you this all in the text. And, and it begins, I, I love how this passage begins because it, it begins not in Bethlehem. You know, as we go to, to uh, chapter, uh, chapter 2 and we look at verse 1, our passage doesn't be begin in a stable or a manger in Bethlehem. It doesn't begin in a, a workshop in Nazareth where, where Joseph is working. It doesn't even begin in the temple and, and in Jerusalem. But in our story today, in the birth of Christ, all of it begins halfway around the known world at this time in the city of Rome. Now, if you will remember, at this point in time, Rome was considered the center of the universe. And a place like Jerusalem would be a place far off. We would say it in the boonies, way off somewhere on the edge of, of society and on the edge of reality. But our story begins in Rome and in this place. And what we see in our passage is that Caesar Augustus, the ruler of the known world, has decreed that a census will be taken within the entire Roman Empire. Now you may ask the question, why on earth would a ruler want this much paperwork? Why on earth would we go through this? Why on earth would this whole, this whole event take place and all the hassle and all the nonsense and all the recording and all the paper? And the answer really is probably the same answer that we have today. Why do we take census today? Taxes. That was why. Caesar Augustus knew that if he went and did a census and he knew how many people lived within the, the boundaries of his empire, then he knew how much tax money he ought to be getting. And he was, wanted the benefit of that and he wanted to know an accurate number to make sure that he was getting as much money as he could from the people who benefited from his rule. Neither Caesar nor even Quirinius, the governor of Syria, had a clue about anything going on in Jerusalem or Nazareth or Bethlehem. They did not care about prophecy. They did not care about angels. They knew nothing of a Messiah that was going to come from, from the people, the Jewish people. They did not know about Bethlehem. They may not have even heard of Bethlehem. Neither Caesar nor the governor cared about Mary or Joseph. 
They didn't care about what was going on in Jerusalem at the birth of John with Zacharias and Elizabeth. They were completely ignorant and disinterested of anything going on in our story today. And yet, it begins with them. Caesar Augustus was doing what he wanted, when he wanted, how he wanted, with little or no regard to God. And yet God was using him and directing him to accomplish his perfect will through him. From the emperor's palace to a dirty stable, we recognize that God is indeed sovereign over all. And he will accomplish his perfect will through all things. I love the way this is communicated to us by the prophet Isaiah. God had these words to say in Isaiah 46. He says, remember this and be assured. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things which have not yet been done saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish my good pleasure. The reason that our, our story of the birth of the Savior doesn't begin in just things that were happening in the decisions of Joseph or, or the things going on in Mary's head and mind because God wanted us to understand that God's power and sovereignty extended beyond Jerusalem and Judea and Nazareth and Galilee. That all things are subject to his rule and he is indeed the king over all things. As we see God's sovereignty moving about all the pieces of from the emperor to the carpenter, we see his prophecy fulfilled found in Micah 5.2. But as for you, Bethlehem, Epaphrath, too little to be among the clans of Judah, for you, from you will go forth for me, the ruler of Israel. His going forth are from long ago and from the days of eternity. When all the pieces are set, God's sovereignty on full display is, is, is realized and Jesus Christ is born exactly the way the Bible said it would be. The descendant of David, born in Bethlehem. And on the night that Jesus was born, God's messengers deliver God's message to the most unlikely of people. See, God does not send his messenger to Caesar or governor, not to rulers or kings, nor does he send him on to priests in a temple, but he sends them to shepherds. And the angel of God brings forth the message of God, which is this, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now I want you to notice something very interesting about the birth announcement of Jesus. 
It is not Joseph who goes about proclaiming that the, that the Messiah is here. It is not Mary who begins the, the political campaign to argue for, for Jesus' claim to the throne. It is not Zacharias or Elizabeth or anyone else who might have been in on the truth of what is happening at this child's birth that goes forth and announces the birth of the, of the, the Messiah, the Christ child. No, it is God who makes the good news heard. God, through his angels, makes known that the Christ child has come. God is the source of the good news. God is the cause of the good news. God is the proclaimer of the good news because it is his good news. And guess what? It is still his news today. I want you to think about this for just a second. Part of evangelism and missions, even the proclamation that, you, that we're doing right now, all of these things is about trusting God that he is going to communicate his good news through us, his messengers, because it's his news. Think about this for just a moment. God took ownership of this good news and his angels proclaimed his good news to those shepherds. And even today, God is proclaiming his good news, but no longer does he have to do it through angels because he has the church. And the church has the mission and the privilege of going and making his news known. But the cool thing about all this is it is God who is still the one communicating the good news. Because when God's people who are filled with his spirit make known his good news, it will be his spirit who affects and, and, and works and moves in the hearts of those who are receiving the good news to bring about new life in Christ. Just like the angels were nothing but messengers for God, so too we are messengers for God. And we are called to take this news to the people who need to hear it. And we can trust that God is going to be the one that makes sure that news gets communicated correctly. And that that news gets the desired response. I think it's this is the very reason why Jesus told his, his disciples as they were preparing for him to, to leave. He says, do not worry about what you are going to say. For it will be given to you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speaks, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you. See, that's, that's our role. It's not to make sure we got it right. It is not to know every point and counterpoint and every, every theology and every single thing that we could possibly know. It is to trust the God whose message we proclaim and to allow that God through his spirit to work in us and to work in the hearer of that gospel message so that he might bring about new life in Christ. That should be a huge weight off of our shoulders. But it should also scratch out every excuse we have while we are not sharing our faith with the people around us. Not only is God's method 
still our method. Is God, God working and what God's doing and, 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 and this news still, still God's news, but also God's message is still our message today. Namely, that God has sent all of humanity a Savior who is Christ Jesus, God's anointed one. It is fascinating to me, and I find it to be so encouraging how, how much the birth announcement that the angels give to the shepherds is, is in and of itself a gospel proclamation. You know, we present a, a, a hundred different ways, and, and we focus on one here, obviously, when we had screens, um, about how we share our faith. And we have a gospel presentation, and if anybody's done any evangelism training, you know there's lots of ways to share the gospel. And some of you have, have learned one, and that's the one you use, and that's fantastic because you're using it. And it doesn't matter how many new things I bring you, you're like, I'm fine. I got the Roman road, I'm good to go, and that's great. But what we see in Scripture over and over again is God is continually communicating the good news of the gospel in so many different ways. And even here, before we ever get to the cross of Calvary, we hear the angels communicating what the good news of the gospel is. Let me show you that for just a second. First, God, through the angels, declares that he has sent his Messiah. As we look at the proclamation of the angels, he makes it abundantly clear that born for you this day in the city of David is a, he says, who is Christ the Lord. That word Christ is the same word in the Jewish that means Messiah. Both of them meaning that it is the anointed one of God, this special person that was going to come and redeem Israel and set things right. Jesus himself acknowledged that he was this person. John chapter 4, starting in verse 25, we read that the Samaritan woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is also called the Christ, and that the one who comes, that he will declare these things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So this good news of the gospel begins with God has sent his Messiah. Who is this Messiah? He is the Savior. And again, the angels declared to them that born for you this day in the city of David is a Savior. Who is Christ the Lord. Again, Jesus himself makes it clear that that is his mission. We have to remember this. Jesus' mission was not to show us how to do stuff. Now, he did that. I'm not saying he didn't do that. But that wasn't his mission. That wasn't his purpose. Jesus did not come in the flesh purely to show us how to do things. He'd had prophets do that years and years and years prior. And guess what? No matter how well his prophets showed people how to return to him and live for him, they continued to not do it. Jesus knew that his mission had to be more than telling us what to do, because if it was just telling us what to do, guess what? We wouldn't do it. That's not a stretch for us today. You ever have somebody ask you, what should I do? And you say, well, the Bible says you should do this. And they go, eh, I don't think so. I'll go ask my friend down the road what he thinks I should do. Was he a Christian? Does he go to church? No. But he's older. So I'll listen to him. We don't do what people tell us to do. And that's not the mission of, of Christ. He didn't come just so we'd have an instruction book. No, in fact, he tells us exactly why he came in Luke 19, 10. After all the events of, of that wee little man, Zacchaeus, he says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. 
Christ did not come to tell you how to live. Christ came to give you life. And that's exactly what the angels proclaimed. We have not brought you another prophet. We have not brought you another really good teacher. We have not declared, hey, you've got a new rabbi in town. He said, no, born for you this day is a savior. And saviors save. And that's what Jesus came to do. The question may be, who did he save? And the angels tell us that too. For born for you this day in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Christ came to save the world. Not just Israel. Not just a few select not just the right people, the right house, the right lineage, the right socioeconomic class or anything like that. But the good news of the gospel is for all peoples, the entire world. Again, Jesus himself affirms this in John chapter 10, verse 16. He says that I have other sheep which are not of this fold, meaning the Jewish people. And I must bring them also and they will hear my, hear my voice and they will become one flock and one shepherd. See, from, from the days of, of Jesus' birth, they declared, listen, this good news, this Messiah, this Christ, this Savior is not just for Israel, but it is for all the peoples in all the world and all those who hear the good news of the gospel and they believe. Even Jesus himself says that people outside of this fold, people outside of this family, people outside of the nation of Israel will hear my voice and they will follow me. And in that day, there will be one shepherd and one flock. The good news of the gospel is one of the good things about the good news of the gospel is that it's for you. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you've made a million mistakes in your life or you've pretty well stayed on the straight and narrow. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if you're from Missouri or Kentucky or Kansas or Syria or Mongolia. The gospel is for you because the gospel is for all people. And then lastly this. The Christ has come. He has saved his people who is all people and he has done so by making peace between God and man. Notice the songs of the angels. Verse 14 says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. They were declaring that what Christ came to accomplish was to set things right in the relationship between creator and created. I love what Paul says of this as he writes to the church in Colossae. In Colossians 1, starting in verse 21, he says this, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, 
engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him, that being God, holy and blameless and beyond reproach. See, part of the gospel is the acknowledgement that we are not right with God by our own efforts. In fact, the Bible makes it abundantly clear that even our greatest deeds, the best things we could possibly do, are like filthy rags to God. Because even our best things have been tainted and destroyed and disgusted by our sin. And so the way that Paul communicates that to the church is that, that we were alienated, in rebellion, hostile in mind towards God. See, your sin is not just you making a mistake. Your sin is your rebellion towards God. And that you are placed in, a, in an opposing stance towards God, that you are his, you, not that he's wanting this, but you are wanting to be his enemy because your way is better than his way. And Jesus Christ came to pay for all rebellion. He came to pay the price for our rebellion and for our sin so that we might have peace with God. And what's amazing about this is the angels are declaring that that time has come even though Christ has not gone to Calvary yet. That even though he has not come to that point where he has paid the price for our sins and risen from the grave, defeating death in the grave. It hasn't happened yet, but because God's plans cannot be thwarted, they speak of it as though it has already happened. It is a further reminder of the sovereignty of God and that God's plans cannot be thwarted. There is no question that the cross is just as important at Christmas as the manger. And that is because even at the announcement of his birth, God knew that Jesus' mission would be to save humanity by being a propitiation for their sin. Christ came to be the price paid to satisfy God's judgment for our sin. And even in the rejoicing of the angels, we hear the faint whisper of Calvary. And even in the midst of the shepherds hearing glory to God in the highest, in the faintest whispers of the future, we hear, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And so what were the shepherds to do? They had heard the good news. They had encountered the angel of the Lord. In fact, all around them shone the glory of God. And the angels sang. How would they respond? We read in verse 15, they said this. Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see the thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They understood that they had received a message from God and that that message required a response. For them, it was to go and see what God had done. The amazing thing is, when you think about how they say it and what they say, don't, they don't say, let's go see if the words are true. Let's go see if 
what God has said is real. Let's go see if there really is a baby in a manger. That's not why they go. You may have had that in your head where they're like, hey, well, let's go find it and see, see what's up. And there, might, you know, there was no shepherd that said, man, there's a lot of sheep out here. And you're going to go look for a baby in some straw? I mean, I, don't hate to, I hate to mix my, my things, but that's like finding a baby in a haystack. You know that, right? I don't think, I don't know. We may not even find that baby, and then what's going to happen to all these sheep? Hmm? None of them said that, at least as far as we know. Instead, they all got to talking to each other and said, we need to go find this baby. There was not a question in their mind if the baby was there, but that they needed to go see it. See, that's the thing that we need to remember today is we need to respond to the gospel message. You've heard it. You've heard the good news. We celebrate it. We sing it. We do all that we do during this season to, to remember that Christ came. And that he came so that he could, could live the life we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserved. And he rose from the grave so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This is the good news of the gospel. But the question right now is, what are you going to do about it? What is God calling you to do with this message? See, God is at work even today, shouting the good news that you and that I can be saved, that we can be reconciled to God through faith in Christ. And the question is, is are you going to believe this message? The shepherds did. In fact, the shepherds believed it so much that they gladly left their flocks out in the elements with predators maybe lurking to go see the thing that God had made known to them. Are you willing to leave your old life to see and to experience God's grace and his love and his mercy? Is God calling you to share this message? It says that the shepherds went immediately and they found everything just as the angels had told them. And they began to relay that message to, to Mary and Joseph and everyone who was listening. And when all was said and done, it says that the shepherds went back glorifying God and praising God for all they had seen and heard just as had been told them. For some of us today, we've experienced the good news of the gospel. We have seen and experienced God's grace and his goodness. We have received the Holy Spirit and we have been made his. And now it is time for us to go and declare the good news. To let people know that the words of God are true. And this Jesus who they absentmindedly sing about as they drive around town in the radio, on the radio is the one who delivered them from their sin if they would just believe. We are in a season where even the hardest of hearts can be heard humming, Mary, did you know? Will you dare to share with them the news that Mary knew? Will you go? Will you tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born? 
that he lived, that he died, and that he rose again. Not just for them, but for you. What do you need to do with this message? Do not wait another day. Because the message is here today. Let's pray. Our gracious God and King, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. God, we praise you for the gospel message that can be heard even in the Christmas story. God, we praise you that, that you have, have made known from the very beginning that sinful man could be reconciled to you through faith in Christ. Lord, there may be people in this room today that need to surrender their lives to Christ today. God, it is my hope and my prayer that that is exactly what they will do. And God, that they will, like the shepherds, believe the good news that they have heard. And Lord, in doing so, that they will follow you. God, for many of us here, we have heard the good news of the gospel. We have believed it. We have received it. And we have, we have uh, been filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and because of that, Lord, we need to trust you all the more as we go and make it known. Again, may we be like the shepherds who, who left from that place proclaiming and the good news that they had heard and glorifying God because of it. Lord, in just a few days, many of us will gather with our families and friends to celebrate the birth of our Savior Jesus. And God, I pray that everyone here will have the good news of the gospel on their lips as they do so. And Lord, that your spirit will go forth and that, they will give, that, that it will give, he will give them the words that they need. And God, that you will work in the hearts of the people who hear so that many more will join with the angels in singing glory to God in the highest. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. <clears throat>